Well, welcome back, folks. Another episode of the Untitled Denver Broncos podcast. In Aaron's absence, it will always be Broncos Uber Alice. We've got maybe the most depressing matchup we're ever going to see in our lifetimes uh, with the Broncos coming up this Thursday. Tonight is Tuesday. And um, we're going to talk about it a little bit. With me tonight, I've got D-Bronx1414, mainstay, staple, regular, probably king guest at this point. How you doing, 14? I'm doing well. How are you? We're talking. We're uh, embrace the absurd, right? Everything's terrible for the Broncos, and it's not going to get better. So we just have to be absurd. Does that sound like correct? Am I Camus enough? Yeah, that that tracks. Okay. So we got the Jets coming up. Broncos just came off a real bad loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've suffered even more losses to injuries with Jarrell Casey going out, Wilkinson going out, though. We might touch on that, whether that's a bad thing. But the big thing is, Brett Rippon has been announced as the starting quarterback. 14, do you have thoughts about Brett Rippon being announced as the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos? Uh, I do. Not too many good ones, but I have thoughts. But did you see the last drive of the Buccaneers game before the interception? I, I did. It was it was absolutely marvelous. I've seen that the throw to Judy over the middle of the field a couple of times now, and I think it gets slower with more arc every time I watch it. <laughs> he got a slow ass arm, don't he? Yeah, yeah, that would be a nice way to put it. <laughs> this is some. This isn't like a mystery. This wasn't something that nobody knew about Rippin, was it? This was. This is why he was undrafted, right? Right. I mean, I think the calling card for him was like even at Boise State, like he showed some ability to read the field. He he could take care of the ball well and he knew exactly where to put it so his players could, you know, make plays. But people people like to make a lot of accuracy and it is very important, but Rippon is kind of the guy that demonstrates why it can be overrated at times because uh, okay, having great accuracy is awesome, but if you don't have the arm strength to get it there, it almost doesn't matter because your guys are getting tackled before they could do anything. Yeah. And so what, what was, what exactly made that final drive work considering his or work to the extent that it could, I don't even know if it was actually the final drive, the drive, you know, what drive I'm talking, but what, what made that work? If, if his arm is so kind of weak, well, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but at that point in the game, Broncos were down, 18 points um so you know 10 minutes left 18 points the buccaneers are clearly getting ready to hit the showers they're in prevent defense and part of the prevent defense is that the short passes will be there so a guy like Rippon can take advantage of that now the problem was though is that once you get to the red zone the defense isn't going to run prevent anymore because it's rather pointless so they got down there and they said huh well we kept blitzing the last guy and he couldn't do anything so let's see what works with this guy and then they blitzed ripping and the first play they blitzed was uh the fumble yeah the fumble jason pierre paul i believe and then the second play was picked off over the middle and then that was the last noteworthy play of the ripping day hmm what what do you expect against the Jets from Rippon? I mean, if we want to get into the Jets a little bit here, but they, they seem like a team that is struggling at all levels of their team, offense, defense, special teams. So 
if there's a game that a guy like Rippin, who is physically flawed, can take advantage, it, it would be against a team that's, you know, as talentless as this Jets team appears to be. <clears throat> I had to cough. It, what are you... Hmm, I'm trying to phrase this. Um, what's something that you think could be like a false positive for Rippin to show? Like a way that people will look at it and go like, oh, Rippin might have had something, but in reality is a, is a product of circumstance uh, of a bad team or whatever. Is there, is there a specific way a quarterback can be that is fool's gold? Well, I mean, there's always garbage time that helps bump up quarterback stats, but it, it's hard to tell if that will even come up. I, I guess a guy like Rippin, he's going to do really well with completion percentage, and then completion percentage in turn is a big part of the passer rating equation. So a guy like that that doesn't uh, – so completion percentage and uh, lack of turnovers is really good for your passer rating. So a guy like Rippin can definitely, you know, build up a really good passer rating by doing absolutely nothing. And I would be – I would kind of expect him to be in, like, the 80s, 90s range – even if he did nothing of note. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. Is there any other thoughts on Rippon? I don't really have much. I don't know much about him other than I saw him throw a ball at 12 miles an hour but still connect to a guy at the line of scrimmage. Which, I mean, that, which, that was what, what we were talking at the time, right? There was the legitimate belief that it was maybe a throwaway that didn't make it. Yeah, the one to Judy in the flat, like that was <laughs> that was bad. I don't know what that was. Like maybe he didn't step all the way into it or what, but that was that was like an exaggeration of what he was doing the rest of the day. But I mean, I guess with Rippon to look forward to would be especially after Driscoll, who could not read the defense, could not get the ball out quick. Like I would expect if the Jets had any competence whatsoever, they would look at that game plan or look at the Bucks and say okay, let's blitz this kid until he proves he can beat it. So I could see a guy like Rippon, you know, getting blitzed, and he can. He seems like a smart enough guy, and we said he's accurate. So I could see him, you know, getting it out quickly, making back up, make the defense back off, and hopefully have some semblance of an offense. I think that's probably your best case with Rippon. Who's his, who's his safety valve? Who's the guy he's going to keep going to? Who are they going to scheme for him to always be, like, three yards off the line of scrimmage so he can get the ball to them at all? Well, I saw in some of the in some of the clips where people were showing that Driscoll was missing people. It looked like Hamler and uh, Judy were the um, what's the word I'm looking for? They were the most common open hot routes underneath. Mm -hmm. So, and I think those are two guys that we know can be really good with the ball in their hands. So I think those would be smart bets to rely on to get the ball in blitz situations. You think? You think given Rippin. I, I keep wanting to add that extra syllable. I know it's not. I've been told a million times it's ripping. W would you like to see like maybe more screens than we've seen at this point? Get the ball to Hamler or Judy and let them try and make something or, or Fant even? Well, the thing about screens, though, is I, I, I'm trying to I don't want to make myself sound like an idiot here, but do it. From my understanding, when teams are, you know, close to the line and aggressively blitzing like okay yeah that's a great way to get it but if teams are sitting in man behind that blitz you know they're going to see the guy standing there waiting for the ball and they can easily you know close in on it so i don't i don't know if the defenses that we're facing are necessarily going to be beaten by screens like i think they'll help but it, it seemed like a common response to the game was that oh if we had more screens we could open this 
you know, this defense. Uh, but I, I just, I don't think that was the case necessarily. I, I think this is a, you need some man beaters underneath quick, like some drags, some slants or whatever, get those going. And then you can, you know, open up the rest of your offense. I could see Hamler really doing well with drags and slants though. Exactly. Yeah. He showed that in college too. Maybe, maybe the two little guys getting out there, getting shit done. Who knows? Do you think, do you think Rippon can beat the Jets defense as it is now? Do you think he can go out there and do marginally better than the defense? I mean, just based on the way they're playing. So they got shredded week one by Josh Allen, which is seemingly not a fluke. So whatever, let's put that to the side. Then week three, <laughs> I, I guess that they will let up what 34 total points, but um, I don't know. I guess their defense wasn't as horrible because they had two pick sixes, you know, that obviously conflated that. And then their week two opponent, it would have helped if I did this research ahead of time. I didn't do anything. I've never done anything. This is not a good show. We're doing well. We're doing well. This is just the first snag. We'll get there. Week two, week two. Who did they play? Who did they play? Oh, the 49ers, and they got crushed by Jimmy Garoppolo, who died mid-game, and then Mullins came yeah, in and didn't do much. Game. Well, they got killed on the ground there, but mm. I don't know. It just seems like from the first three weeks of what I've seen from them on red zone, this defense is kind of, you can pick how you want to beat them. If you want to run on them, you can get 182 yards like the 49ers did. Do you want to throw on them? You can have Josh Allen throw for 300 some odd yards against them. So I could see, I could see Rippon taking advantage of a defense like that. Oh, maybe. I don't even know if we want that at this point. I don't know. We're all absurd now, but there's other news. There's other big player news. He's gone. 14. He's gone at least for three weeks. Our long national nightmare, Elijah Wilkinson. <laughs> Yeah, three weeks at least. We get to see the 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 mysterious and uh, brought in last minute Demar Dotson, who's like forty eight years old and seven foot twelve. Yeah, he is a massive human being, and you know what? For an offensive tackle, though, that can be very very helpful. And you know, I see the concern with Dotson was that you know as an older guy he might might have lost a step but when you have that much length you know you can overcome not being the greatest athlete in the world and going back to wilkinson for a sec i, I always thought that was kind of his problem because he was the worst of both worlds he wasn't incredibly long enough to you know catch edge rushers on the edge and then he wasn't really fast enough to get there i mean i've seen about three or four clips already on twitter where <laughs> wilkinson is jumping the snap way before it's even snapped and the refs are just like fuck it like i feel bad for this dude if he doesn't do this he's not gonna block this guy anyway that's called smart playing that's knowing what you can get away with and exactly away with. i give him credit for it uh but do you expect do you expect a a a notable improvement in the right tackle position i i, I do you know i i think wilkinson the problem you know is that your flaw when you're a player like wilkinson your flaws get magnified and your strengths don't like I, I think wilkinson was a solid run blocker as a right tackle but in the modern nfl as an offensive tackle you can't just be a mauler anymore like guys were back in the day and i just don't think he can hack it as a pass protector on the outside but i think i think dotson has proven that over his career and i'd honestly be surprised at this point if he struggles as much or worse than wilkinson did in that regard 
Hmm. Do you think? Do you think Wilkinson comes back? Like, I guess Dotson would have to shit the bed pretty hard. Well, I guess that's my question too. They have. They seem to have a love for him, so maybe they bring him back regardless of how Dotson does, unless he's like a world beater or something. Yeah, that that's my question too because I I don't know if you saw the details of the injury because I just saw it was a leg. Which is strange, yeah. It, it on the pretend injury report from Monday, um, it was his wrist that they labeled on there, or his hand, something. It wasn't his leg. Ah, so and, yeah, I mean that's a perfect uh, tinfoil conspiracy fact pattern there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Though. I, I think I think this team, you know, with moves that they made like Wil- starting Wilkinson over Dotson and then Jewel over Davis. I think this team has showed that they're committed to trying out young guys for better or worse. So I'm not even sure it's a guarantee if Dotson, you know, plays passably. Like, obviously, if he plays at a top tier level, I'm sure they wouldn't bench him. But if he's, you know, marginally better than Wilkinson, it wouldn't shock me given their, you know, prior decisions that they just go back to Wilkinson and hope to God that he can be their answer at right tackle. Because that seems to be their plan for the past, uh, for the first three weeks. What? What is with that not like playing Judy last year and it could end up being that way with Dotson this year or, or, or Wilkinson with Dotson this year. I'm not as conspiratorial about that just because of how late Dotson came in. But if, if Dotson comes in and plays like notably better, I am curious of what's going on with the coaching staff. I know that doesn't make a necessarily make a pattern. That's just a coincidence, but I do want to treat it as if it's a pattern that they play inferior guys for some reason. Well, I think it it goes back to, you know, uh, some people have been theorizing it and now it's kind of just hard to deny, but I think this team has done all, but admit that they are in somewhat of a rebuild and they are willing to prioritize youth over, you know, uh, play the top level of play right now. So a guy like Dotson, you know, is not going to be here long-term and a guy like Davis, the guy I mentioned earlier, his contract was up after this year and he wasn't exactly a spring chicken either. So I, I just think that's their thought process right now that they're looking onto future seasons, even before all the injuries. And they want to see like, okay, who's worth keeping, who's worth letting go. That I, I get, I'm so frustrated when I see these things, but if, I had some kind of proof that that was the case. I feel like I wouldn't care nearly as much like playing jewel or currently whatever conspiracy theory I have rattling around in my head in regards to Oja Mudia. Uh, if, if I got some kind of confirmation that this is a youth thing and not a talent thing, I'd feel better, but I don't think I'll ever get that confirmation. I well, and exactly. And, and they can't give you that confirmation because I know. You know, football is not just a sport that like baseball where you can just, you know, warm up for an hour, throw play a game of catch, and then you go out there. Like this is a game you spend like an f- entire week preparing for a game. You know, you're icing yourself. You're doing all this. If you're doing all that just for the team to tell you like, oh, you know, we're not prioritizing winning. We're prioritizing young guys getting playing time. You know, it, it just – I don't know. It's almost cliche at this point, but you you can't run a football team like that. You can't blatantly tank like that and say, you know what, we're just not trying anymore. It it's just counterintuitive to how football works, and especially too, it's been mentioned before, but with how short careers are, it's really not fair to the players to tell them like, hey, this season means absolutely nothing. Mm. 
but I do agree. I would feel a lot better. Like it would be nice if John Elway could pull us aside and tell us like, Hey guys, like we're not trying to win this year. We're just seeing who is going to be here for the long haul. I'd be like, you know what? Lose to the Jets Thursday. I don't really give a damn. That's, that's true. That's true. I just, should I care less about Ojemudia? You, you know, my, like outside of this podcast, you know, my thoughts on, on my Ojemudia. Should I should I just chalk it up to like they're definitely doing a youth thing? That's why potentially better players aren't playing. And instead, should I just let it go? Should I be an adult? I mean, I don't think you have a choice because so first off, I think the player you're alluding to is Devontae Bowsby, who I mean, we it's funny because we were the ones, you know, uh cautioning fans not to get overexcited about a guy that played two games of cornerback. But I mean it's just kind of hard to deny that in training camp, everyone was pretty much saying like Devonte Busby is the third best cornerback on this roster, and then they cut him for Asang Bassi and Michael Ojemudia to get significant playing time. So, I mean, again, if you embrace it in the spirit of hey, they don't think Devonte Busby is going to be a long-term starter for this team, so why bother with him in a year that they're not competing for anything worthwhile? I I feel like that's the only way you can approach it and not rip your hair out. The problem, though, is I didn't care about Ojemudia before the draft. That's where it is. If if it was one of the guys I liked and I was like, ooh, he's really sucking. Why are they playing other things? Like, maybe I could go, okay, youth movement, youth movement. But because they fundamentally disagree with me, or they did at one point, about the quality of Ojemudia as a player, it, it frustrates me because I want to be right and I want to be proven right constantly. I just wanted on the record, we had a rough outline for this episode, and Ojemudia was brought up unprompted. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I want the people to know this. The people. Hello, Aaron. Aaron won't even listen to this, will he? <sighs> Miss you, Aaron. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about Wilkinson, and I got on Ojemudia because I forced a pivot. Um, do we have any thoughts about Ojemudia? Any more thoughts? Not Ojemudia. Wilkinson. Holy shit. Well, I kind of alluded to it. I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I, I'm curious because I, from everything that I had read on Dotson before he got here, and I believe his previous coach, Bruce Arians, even admitted to it that he is not a very good run blocker whatsoever. So I, I'm curious, you know, I, I think Melvin Gordon has had some pretty solid run lanes and there's a lot to criticize about this team, but I think their run blocking has been up to snuff when they've been able to do it, unlike last week. But So I'm curious to see if going from Wilkinson to Dotson maybe maybe impacts the run game negatively. Oh, they're going to have to respect Something to look out for. They're going to have to respect Griffin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're going to be too Driscoll high all day. In. Driscoll came in. Who gives a fuck? Load that box. Rippon comes in. Man, this guy's going to throw a ball. Who knows when it's going to land or where. Well, if we're back to ripping real quick, that's my, one of the – so teams have blitzed us a lot the past couple of years because our quarterbacks are terrible. But I feel like one mainstay has been that teams sit and cover one, which is man coverage underneath and then one safety deep. And that coverage is pretty much telling you we have no fear you're going to throw it deep. And even despite all of this, we cannot throw deep either because the protection fails, receivers can't get open downfield, or we don't have the quarterback downfield. So anyway – just something for people to look out for. Look for that one safety to sit up top and another safety in the box the entire game long. Not let us run. Make rip and throw deep. 
Good luck. Here we go. So let's go ahead and just pivot. We don't need to segue, just pivot. You scared of the Jets? Um, well, depends what you think my goal is for this game. Do I want the Broncos to win it? Do you think Fangio is scared of the Jets? Hmm. For for just losing to them <laughs> right now, or is he scared what it means for his future with the Broncos? I, do you think the next 48 hours will be stressful for Fangio in regards to the Jets? I mean... It, it shouldn't be because I don't know if you saw, but uh, our good friend Adam Gaze had a quote saying that something along the lines of they were looking for just warm bodies at receiver. <laughs> and on top of that, I'm looking up their rushing stats now. Like they have not been able to run a lick whatsoever. They're averaging 3.6 yards per carry, 88.3 yards per game. That's not great at all. So, I mean, you have that. And then, no receivers like at what point what, what part of this team are you even afraid of i'm afraid of what it means man but if i were fangio my fear would be i would look at my roster and be like holy crap mine is almost as barren as that this could be this could be trevor trevor simeon lawrence i'm kidding i'm kidding lawrence saw, you bitch <laughs> Michael Lombardi, you know, it's sometimes a blowhard, but he had a he had a funny quote today on his podcast. He said that they should have Trevor Lawrence do the coin toss of this game, and it honestly feels <laughs> like it. It could be Trevor, though. This could this game could be the Trevor game. I mean, it, it's hard to deny it because you can't find two teams looking worse. I, you know, every power ranking has the Jets at the very bottom, but DVOA they have like an aggregate score throughout the season. They have the Broncos dead last in it so far, so that's a it's a rough rough look for the close loss crowd, and they give us the number one odds to have the number one pick. So, I mean, I don't know. I think some people are just like pointing to the Jets and being like, "Oh my God, they're so bad. We can beat them." And I think there's some signs out there being like, "Oh no, you might be that bad too." <laughs> oh no. <sighs> What, what, how do you beat the Jets? How do you go out there and beat the Jets if you're the Broncos? What do you do to them? I mean, just based on, you know, box scores and red zone, it looks like Sam Darnold is throwing a ton of picks. So if you can make him slightly uncomfortable, don't give him the looks he wants. It looks like you can take the ball and score with it. I mean, he had two pick sixes last week, I think I mentioned, so... <laughs> I think that's your best bet is just make Darnold throw and just hope that he is still seeing ghosts or whatever the heck's going on with him. I mean, side note, I, I do feel bad for him. Like I, I think he's talented and that situation is just untenable. So, but if you're the Broncos, you got to take advantage of that. <laughs> try to try to get some picks of your own. And uh, who's, who's looking like a good coaching prospect. Who's going to be coaching the jets next year with Trevor. <laughs> I don't know. I guess, I mean, if they can get that number one pick, and then they also, too, have the Seahawks draft picks for the next two years, which, granted, aren't going to be great, but, I mean, I, I think beyond this year, you know, it's a pretty attractive landing spot for a young coach that, you know, can get some uh, short-term security, you know, like one of those Matt Rule contracts. Like, I, I feel like that would be a perfect place for a guy like Biennemi or whatever that has a lot of pelts on the wall and has some leeway and, you know, 
some leverage in negotiating a contract. Maybe he goes there on like a big deal so he could see through this rebuild. Well, I, I kind of feel like the Jets are going to lose, right? I feel like it's just more of a Jets thing at this moment. Um, we're too, we're too fucking wild. Yeah, I mean, we're too close to this team, and we're just seeing the worst of it, you know? I think that's as fans, when the team is good, you see only good and none of the bad, and then vice versa, when the team yeah, is bad. Yeah, we're those kinds of fans. That too, yeah, I mean. We're definitely the, the, the positivity, glass-half-full kinds of fans. But let me ask you, because, I mean, yes, we are not the most positive group on Earth, but, like, what what parts of this roster going into tomorrow, assuming Lindsay doesn't play, and the guys we have going. Like, where do you point to the strength of this roster? Because I do think there are some position groups that are, you know, competent at least. I'm curious what you think they are. Uh, the starting safeties? Um, I would... Uh, I don't know how much proof there is, but I'm still pretty... I'm still somewhat high on the receiving core, even with Sutton down. I think they would be competent if the ball could get to them. I mean, if you put Fant with that group, I, I think that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'd put I'd put Fant with that group. I'd one hundred percent put Fant with that group. Um, I you weren't considering a blocker. What would I? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's been <laughs> he's been getting a lot of flack for it, but I just feel bad for him because it's you know you drafted him knowing he wasn't a good blocker, and they were like, oh no, we'll teach him. So I mean, it's kind of your fault at this point that he's not. I don't know. I, he's just so fault. good as a receiver, and that's more important to me. You can find other tight ends to block for like two bucks a game. It's mm-hmm. not that hard. Well, they didn't though. They did not. They paid two million bucks. <laughs> yeah, for a guy that was a healthy scratch. Yeah. Against the most blitzing team in the NFL. Or maybe that, it's the Steelers at this point. I don't know. It was, it was Bulls regardless. <laughs> I think it was Blitzburg because they blitzed the crap out of Watson again. I saw I saw some stats uh, about that. It's still Todd Bowles. You know, it's, you know it's coming, and they still healthy scratched the net. I mean, I don't think you had a choice, though, because, okay, you brought him in as a blocker, but guess what? He was not blocking well. Like, we were talking about that, Um, what was it, after week one, Melvin Gordon's touchdown even, he whiffed on a block, and I think it was either Beck or pulling Reisner and cleaned it up. I wonder if Beck gets snaps this way. He got six last game. And I think they were all fullback. I could be mistaken, but, I mean, at this point, you have to almost play Fant as like a primary, like, you know, off the line of scrimmage and then figure out something else for an inline tight end. Fucking, if you're just going to use him as like a, as, as a fullback or something, just like see what Natane Moody can do as a fullback. <laughs> I was about to say, what are you talking about? That'd be funny. I mean, why the hell not at this point? This is yeah. the perfect game to just try some wacky stuff and to be like, you know what? We lost whatever. Like our team is dead. What did you expect? I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing a ripping deep throw that is comparable to a punt in terms of hang time. Do you think he even lets that go though? Like I, I'm wondering if he, knowing it's his first start, is like, yeah, I'm not embarrassing myself. I am not throwing it <laughs> further than like ten yards downfield. I think he might. I think he might try and show something because it's this or practice squad, right? He's not getting. That's true. He's not getting much else in terms of NFL career after after this, if, especially if it doesn't go well. So I think he's got something to prove. Maybe like maybe I deserve a roster spot as a backup. Um, well, even just short term too, because Bortles is on the roster, and I mean eventually he's, right he's going to be the backup. But like, 
if you're ripping, this might be your last chance with the Denver Broncos to, you know, showcase yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, this game has like the weirdest storylines and they're like not great. Will this what? random backup quarterback try to do too much? Find out. <laughs> what do you think? I want to, I want to place bets. What do you think the furthest ball he throws and connects goes for? Uh, well, connects with who? Because the farthest pass he threw against the Bucks was intercepted. <laughs> connects with a Bronco. Okay, I'll put it. I could see a late game scenario or some like gaff in coverage where it goes. I'll say fifteen yards, right over the middle of the field, to Tim Patrick who comes down too hard. <laughs> something like that someone gets hurt or some voodoo magic happens it's not gonna it's not gonna be let's put it this way it'll travel 15 yards and you won't be excited about it you'll be like ugh, like a third and 20 <laughs> so you're saying 15 yards i'm gonna say i don't know that sounds like a good that sounds like a good number is 15 yards i'm gonna i'm gonna price is right it and go, he's going to throw it 18 yards to Tim Patrick. That's the longest ball he'll throw all night. If your price is right, wouldn't you go 16? I realized I was wrong when I said the number. <laughs> I've watched that show way too much. Everyone, for some reason, that's a huge part of everyone's childhood, and nobody wanted to watch it. We're all good capitalists, that's why. We are good capitalists, you bitch. <laughs> you're not going to get me twice in a row not two podcasts in a row on the same day am I going to be drawn into this one um, I don't think I've ever called anybody a bitch on this podcast and I think it's been three times now well there we uh, go Yeah, we're do I get a t-shirt I was called a bitch on the untitled Denver Broncos podcast no you get to call Aaron a bitch next time I won't do that I love Aaron oh we all love Aaron um, I don't, I don't know if there's anything else to really talk about, which is good for me because editing this would be annoying because I would have to rush it out before Thursday. Um, you got any other thing? Like, I don't mind keep if you've got more to talk about. I'm just making a joke. I mean, it, it's tough to to draw up too much, but I think one matchup I'm particularly looking forward to is so the one weird part of the Jets. Usually, this is like the opposite but the worst team in the nfl actually has had a pretty competent offensive line to this point i saw becton got hurt i'm not sure if he's playing but if he is he's been playing lights out from everything i've seen on him so i'm curious a pass rush like ours that's been struggling for three weeks and that's putting it kindly i mean outside of shelby harris and the one how do you have a you don't really have a pass rush as much as you've got a bunch of coverage guys right I mean, that's what it feels like watching it. And I saw someone being, I saw someone had mentioned that, oh, you know, Fangio blitz like twice as much this week as he did last week. And I was like, I could not even tell, honestly. Well, there was he, no... he historically hates blitzing too, right? Right. Which I, I get, you know, he's proven, you know, he's, he's proven his track record. I don't really doubt his schemes too much. I'm just saying in general, it was shocking to me. What would you have been shocked if you learned that they blitzed significantly more week three than they did week two like did that bear out on the on what you saw whatsoever um i think it would i would have a little bit of trouble determining what was a blitz with this personnel sure i, know, I mean he's not I know it sending enough people but i'm not sure like i would notice a few of them well yeah and that's what i'm saying like it was just 
there was not that much pressure and even when we were getting pressure it was like with shelby harris randomly a couple times in the third quarter and it was like all right well this game's already over so who cares but anyway that's just a matchup i'm looking forward to hopefully someone steps up against the jets somewhat competent offensive line we'll get to see ajim this game like by definition right like we're gonna have to see ajim this game there can't be more people I mean, you would hope so, because a late third-round pick, okay, you're not asking them to be a day-one contributor, but you would think a guy you take in the first... third-round picks are day-one contributors on this team and not really doing great? That is a valid, valid point. But I'm just saying, like, let's even say you took him as a project. Like, how many more defensive line injuries do you have to say, like, okay, like, this guy that we like his talent, let's give him a shot? It, it it has to be. He has to play significant snaps at this point. I don't even know who the defensive line. It's Shelby Harris. Well, remember uh, the one guy that tipped the pass, and we both even said, "Who is this character?" His name was like Deshaun Williams or something. I have no number ninety. Yeah. I have no idea who that guy was. Like, <laughs> so, if that guy's getting snaps over Ajim, what are we doing? We're not drafting well. Uh oh, you're not. You're not supposed to say that. Oh no. I I don't think it's. I don't think it's that, uh, what's the word I want? Taboo? I don't think it's that taboo anymore. I think we're slinking out of the shadows. Our ideology uh, has started to become accepted. The The cult is spreading out to become a full congregation now. It's good there. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it, at this point, it's just kind of hard to argue. Some people don't seem to mind, but you know, four straight root, four straight losing seasons speaks for itself. Yeah, just the absolute lack of depth. Like you said, if we're starting Deshaun Williams, whoever that is, over a third round draft pick, fuck's going on? I but agree. Yeah, see, who, it's Shelby Harris, and you've got Mike Purcell in when he when we need a nose tackle. Then I guess Williams. Question Williams? Question mark? I, I don't know his name. I made up that Deshaun part. I have no idea who he is. Because they're all hurt. I, I don't even know who the depth would be because you what what is what is the percentage of snaps like a starting defensive end in the scheme plays? It's it's not as high as like safeties and shit, right? Or even the uh, line, outside linebackers. No, I mean Fangio. I mean he definitely leans towards playing guys more starters more than most defensive uh, coaches do. But even still, you know the defensive line rotates regularly. A guy like uh, Draymond Jones when we were all healthy in Week One. Draymond Jones was getting plenty of snaps. Shelby Harris was. Jarrell Casey. And I saw even uh, Demarcus Walker a couple of plays. So, well, they're all hurt now, man. <laughs> I didn't even realize I was just saying that. There's one guy from that group healthy. That is, ugh, like, I don't know. Here's the the depth for the defensive line. All right, Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, Jarrell Casey. Jarrell Casey obviously out for the season. Still, I will always argue that was a good trade. Um, oh, of course. Even if you got one game from him, who cares? Yeah, for a seventh rounder, yeah. Um, then the depth goes Deshaun Williams, McTelvin Ajim, Deshaun Williams. There are four, four defensive linemen on this team right now. Jeez. So, and one of them is Mike Purcell. And you weren't getting that much pressure when they were healthy. I mean, obviously, you never had Bond. But even when you had, like, we went into the season saying, obviously, Von Miller was part of the equation. But we went into this being like, wow, this pass rush is going to be lethal. And then, I mean, 
for for yeah von miller primarily but for other reasons it really hasn't been living up to it and then now you have to go onto like practice squad player depth wise like i just i mean i i do feel for vic his his scheme is his scheme but like at some point you got to change something up because you're not going to get pressure with this group and then i don't know if you can trust these cornerbacks to you know play on an island all day long i'm trying to look at the the practice squad it looks like <laughs> there are currently no defensive line oh no no that's not correct deshaun no i'm sorry uh Dion or Dion or Dion Sizer. Okay, yeah. I've, I, I'm familiar player. with the name. Uh he was with yeah, I remember him being on the team. But so they'll almost certainly call him up. You've got yeah, but you gotta call Bellamy up again now you because you only have two Bellamy running backs. Up. You only call up two, right? Do they have enough depth to not call up Tuska as well? I think Chicolo's on the active roster. I'm glad we did our homework. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I just saw on the depth chart somebody I forgot was on the team, which is Duke Dawson, who is slated above uh, Devontae Bosby. Jeez. Did, have you seen Duke Dawson play? Maybe nah. snaps at safety. Not that I can recall. I mean, I've even seen Bosby on special teams. I can't remember. I mean, I don't even know what Duke Dawson's number is right now. 20. 20, right? Yeah, 20. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well... We were doing so well this episode, and then I clicked a link. We had to talk about it. All right, well, while you're doing that, I uh, randomly stumbled on the Jets' stats per game. Would you like to hear some Mm -hmm. of them? Oh, please. Right off the bat, the Jets are scoring 12.3 points per game. Their opponents are scoring 31.3 points per game. A a solid 19-point differential. They have 47 first downs. They've allowed 69. Nice. Their third down percentage, I can't calculate it, but it's 12 for 37. So, yeah, they're under a third of the – converting under a third of their third downs, which is awful. They haven't converted a fourth down yet, although I don't think we have either. And they've allowed the teams they've played to convert the two attempts they went for, 100%. They're averaging 175 points, uh, 175 yards per game through the air, and then they have three touchdowns to four interceptions. And then, yeah, I mentioned the rushing already, but this is just—they're allowing—they have 275 yards per game, which is like 2017 Broncos anemic, and they're allowing 382, which has got to be, well, there's a lot of bad defenses this year, but that's got to be towards the bottom. And then, well, here's something weird. They forced four fumbles and recovered two of them. That's weird. And they have only lost one fumble. That That is strange considering Darnold is on that team. Yeah, well, I think he's just throwing the picks before he has time to fumble it. And That's then fumbles true. are a very fluky stat. They, uh, not fluky, but they, what, what am I looking for? They vary year to year. Hmm. Well, so imagine losing to that team. I mean, yeah, that's that's like that's not even just like okay, they're the worst team in the league this year. That's like one of the worst teams of the past decade so far. They are comically bad. And yeah, I mean, that's why I feel for Vic, like, you know, you have a lot of injuries. Do you have an excuse to lose? But like, do you have an excuse to lose to like the worst team since the 0 and sixteen Browns? I I don't know that you do. <laughs> what 
is there a score that would make you comfortable? Because obviously, even beating the Jets is no big fucking thing. I mean, if 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 Vic with this with this crew, if he can win by like ten points, you know, and it's not like a garbage time or like a last minute field goal, you know, that was completely irrelevant. I I, I would feel like okay, you know what, like even with all this with everything going wrong, like there might be some stability in the coaching staff that can be moved forward once they get the talent, you know? Are you, uh, you preparing for a potential seppuku? <laughs> I was hoping you would have mentioned that. Oh no, it was, it's the, one of the more standout things from the season for me is somebody claiming that if you lose to the jets, they'll travel to the stadium and commit seppuku in the parking lot. Don't forget in that. Yeah. You can put it on live league. And I forgot I had that. And then, but then I also bet the Jets plus two and a half. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Do I want? Well, that's just a, that's just that's just like a smart risk. <laughs> that's yeah, the, man. The, the payout is so much more than you pay in. It's just a good risk. But part of that bet though was that I was not expecting these injuries, but I was quite confident as a you know a career Jets hater that they were going to be terrible this year. And there were some people being like, oh, they could be sleepers. They got a left tackle. That's fun. Like, okay, like when's the last time you heard of a, a bad team getting remarkably better because they got a left tackle? You know what I mean? Like, that's just, you plugged one hole, you know. Meanwhile, there's a giant leak on the other side of the boat. That was a terrible analogy, but let's go with it. <laughs> I don't know. Do you Do you have any, like, expectations for this team to get dramatically better once all of the injured folks start uh filing back in the ones that could come back the boyes the Lindsays, the locks i mean i i hate so you you know my feelings on lock that i i like him a lot and i think he can be a good quarterback but i i worry that this fan base puts too much pressure on him but you know i do expect when he comes back because i think you know for all of his flaws i think he's shown you that he is at least like a you know around a league average starter like that's he, he's a competent quarterback and i think the difference because we learned this from geez from trevor simeon up until joe flacco that if you don't have a competent quarterback like nothing else matters you cannot compete with incompetent quarterback plays so i think there is hope that this team figures something out and is at least competitive when lock comes back but i mean Bouye should help though because then that you know settles your starting corner situation more you know ojamudia doesn't have to be asked to do everything and then i don't i i like Lindsay, but is like the running back situation holding this team back right now like i don't, I don't see how he makes a massive difference besides unless he like breaks a couple home run runs you know maybe he opens up the passing game i mean yeah the nice catch week one but i'm well, not holding my breath the threat of his legs He's the only one that's been able to run up the middle for the Broncos in the last five years. It feels like it, but <laughs> I mean, speaking of, because I was pretty critical of Melvin Gordon and the signing, but I, I got to give him Don't, credit. I'm not no, sure. He's... You're gonna, no, because this has to drag me along too. I'm sorry, but uh... it just needs to be said. I think he's proven to be a good running back. And then, you know, compared to the other running back contracts, which is a, shitty way to justify a, a professional athlete's contract but he's making half of what some of these elite running backs are making and i i think that's fair fair value for him you're right i fucking hate you but you're right 
Jeez. But I mean, at the end of the day, did it matter having like a good running back? No, this team's still awful right now. Can we just pretend that he only fumbled in the Tennessee game? That's the only thing he's done for the Broncos. My oh, ego man. That was that was brutal. And then that led to what their only touchdown of the game, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, but if they beat the Titans, I don't know. Do you feel that much better about where this team's sitting at right now? I would feel better because of the confidence it could have ensued or instilled in them. Not so much like, because I'm not going to, I, I don't buy cheap fucking wins. Oh, I'm saying, you, you let's say that's I a know, win. But, and then but, the yeah, last I would probably, I would probably consider that a cheap win. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, maybe my perception of that game entirely changes if they make that a drive down to at least get a field goal. You go like, wow, there were at least the scripted drive seemed to work. But again, they were probably doing something of the remaining scripted drive for the rest of the game, and it didn't. That is true. That is true. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I'd like it for the team just to be more confident, and having that win under them it keeps the uh, keeps the specter of O oh, and out of their minds. But um, I personally, it probably wouldn't have made me more confident in the team as a whole. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair because having getting that first win sometimes is really tough, and it's been weird because although we have struggled a lot, well, geez, this is pretty stupid considering last year, but last year was like the first year where it was it took so long to get that first win. Like under Vance, we started out like competent, and then it just all fell apart. So this like Vic starting O and whatever is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on with the. I, I get so many different angles from like the beat guys and the different fans coming from different segments and different takes. I can't. I well, the can't. problem is everyone tries to give you like this, like you know, a two cent, two or three sentence take. Like this is what's happening, and the, like you know, blah blah blah. Like Vic sucks or Vic's great. In the reality, it's nuanced. Is he doing great? Probably not. Is he doing a competent job? I believe so. Is the issues that the roster is completely decrepit right now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of everything, and everyone hates to hear that answer. I mean, you're the enlightened centrist, aren't you? <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, you're right. Everything about this requires more nuance than a lot of segments of the fan base seem to be approaching. It. Um, I don't know if I have anything else. Like I said, I think this should be a season of memes and embracing the absurd. I, I think this is the perfect game for that. Like, if they just like go in and just go like full rippy and throwing just check downs and doing some weird stuff, like this is the game for it. Because I mean, who cares? I know. I'm I'm gonna go in with this thinking and repeating to myself that one must imagine the Broncos happy, and that's it. That's how I'm gonna do it, and that's how we should probably end with a butchered Camus quote. But you got anything else? No, I think that just about covers it. All right. Uh, uh, thank you, folks out there who do listen. As always, we will be doing our post-game immediate reactions. Uh, you can join the Discord and hop into the voice channel and uh, talk to us about our games. It's all unedited and, and very visceral and very knee-jerky and reactionary. It's the most fun way to be. Um, you can find us on Twitter at... at Bronco Subpod. I'm Uppercut of Justice on the Reddit and on the Twitter. Aaron isn't here, but he's Air A Atencio91 on most things. Um, 
yeah, imagine imagine the Broncos happy.